your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Mike Lindsley back with you for another edition of Pandemonium. It's all a part of the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Make sure you follow Built in Buffalo all over the social media platforms, including Twitter, at Built in Buffalo underscore. That's at Built in Buffalo underscore. Head on over to the YouTube page, subscribe there, and like all the videos as well. Super uh, happy to be part of this umbrella uh, with Built in Buffalo. And hey, with that, let's get right to it. Talk some Buffalo Bills football with a good friend of mine, one of the best in the business covering the team. He is a Buffalo Bills insider, reporter, beat man for the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester. My guy, Sal Mayorana, on Twitter, at Sal Mayorana. Sal, what's up, buddy? Thank you so much for coming on. Anytime, Mike. How you doing? I'm good. Um, thank you for asking. At this particular point, now that we're, you know, weeks from the Bills end and the, the heartbreak in, in Kansas City. What, what side of the fence are you more on? Is it, is it, well, you know, it was on a silver platter for them. All they had to do was beat KC, finish the 13 seconds. They would have hosted the championship with a great chance to win the Super Bowl. Terrible opportunity wasted. The window a little bit closed, you know, closed down from, from what it was. Or are you on the other side where it's, well, they're still right there and they've got number 17 and, and a lot of, you know, the building blocks still there for, for another couple of runs. Well, look, really, it's kind of a little of both. You're right. They still have Josh Allen. They still have a really good roster, although it's going to be changing because they are going to be, uh, you know, they're cash-strapped, and they're going to have to retool some things and lose some players. But, look, there's no denying they had a golden opportunity staring right at them. And the window in the NFL, as you know, is never always going to be open. And for the Bills, it's rarely been open. And it was sitting right there. And it was a disgusting, <laughs> really a disgusting way for their season to end. I, I can't think of a word that describes it any better. The, the way they played that last 13 seconds should be a, it should be a video uh, for future NFL coaches to watch. And this is what you don't do in this situation. And I really do think they would have beat the Bengals. I know the Bengals are the kind of the kind of the hot team and everyone's favorite team right now. But I think going into Buffalo, I think the Bills would have beat them. And I think right now I'd be in Los Angeles um, interviewing players for the Super Bowl. So, yeah, yeah, it was a golden opportunity wasted. And, you you know, you you have shut that window a little bit because it was staring right at their face and they couldn't take advantage of it. No doubt. Now, you mentioned that there were um, just – the the word disgusting, I would agree with you, in that 13 seconds, just the the unbelievable – uh, cushion that was allowed to Kelsey and to Hill, uh, two guys who are already going to probably go to the Hall of Fame. Mahomes is probably going to go to the Hall of Fame if he stays healthy. I mean, these are elite players. You, you can't give them any help. Plus, they had two timeouts. Is that mostly, I know, I guess Frazier calls the defensive play, but McDermott ultimately can override him, right? I mean, doesn't doesn't all that fall on McDermott, mostly? Well, Look, I mean, I think they're both probably equally culpable. He okay. he gives his coordinators a lot of latitude. He doesn't usually mess with, well, certainly the offensive side. I mean, that was Dable's baby. Um, and on the defensive side, yeah, it's Sean McDermott's defense. But Frazier's been his right-hand man for five years now. So Leslie's calling the plays. Um, I guess if, if Sean, you know, vehemently disagrees with something, he can jump in and override. But clearly he didn't. <laughs> clearly that was the defense they both decided 
was going to be the best way to pursue it. And it's just baffling to me. I, I, you watch it over and over, and you just can't understand what they were thinking. I mean, nothing about it made sense. It was almost like they were trying to throw the game. I know. I mean, I know that's not the case, but it almost looked like they were trying to throw it because it was so ill-conceived to play it the way they did. And it just it's just so frustrating if you're a Bills fan because that game, it's an all-time great game, and you fell on the wrong side of it yep. again, which yep. is a Bills specialty. You know, isn't it something to sell through through the year? You and I talked multiple times about, you know, arguably the worst loss of the year was the Bills losing to the Jags. Um, and then the Bills didn't win at Tennessee. Uh, Dawkins gets blown up. Allen slips, you know, one yard is all they need. They don't get it. They lose that game. They win that game even with the Jags loss. They would have had a number one seed and hosted in Buffalo throughout. Um, but yet they still got away with those two, didn't they? I mean, the Jaguars lost, the Titans lost. It just came down to beating Kansas City and closing that door, and they still would have hosted a championship game. That's the thing, man. You know, they they, they still were in position after all of those missed opportunities to to host, which I think a lot of people have said through through the last couple of years. You know, if the Bills are going to go to the Super Bowl, like they need to they need to have it go through Buffalo as a top seed. Well, guess what? They they got away with those losses, and they still had a, a golden chance. Yeah, I mean, you could say they got away with them because they should have won that game and because Tennessee lost, which was a little bit of a surprise, I thought um, the game would have been in Buffalo. But, Mike, I go back to, you know, the Jaguars lost. We all knew that was going to be a tragic loss for the Bills Mm -hmm. because it's just an absolute, you can't possibly lose that game. But I'll go back to week one, Mike. They should never have lost to the crappy Pittsburgh Steelers. If they win those two games which were eminently winnable against two opponents. The Jaguars are god-awful, and I thought the Steelers were pretty lousy, too. They had a nice defense, but that's a game they have to win. You turn those two around, they have home field advantage. They don't need the break of of Cincinnati beating Tennessee to get the game at home. It would have already – they would have had the Chiefs at home for that game. So, yeah, the Jaguars lost, and to me, you know, Tennessee's a good team. You lose on the road to them, that's fine. You lose that game. You can't lose to the Steelers and then go on the road and lose to the Jaguars. That's the, those are the two games that really, I think, cost them their season beyond what happened in the Kansas City game. No, it's very fair. Buffalo Bills insider, beat man for the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester, Salmer on our guest here on Built in Buffalo, the Pandemonium podcast. I'm Mike Lindsley. Let's get into... Um, you had mentioned you know, the roster will look different. It, it always does. Uh, every year in the NFL, lots of free agents to to kind of look at here. Uh, a couple, I think, restricted. Mostly they're unrestricted. Uh, I just wanted to kind of go bullet right down one by one, real quick, with each of these guys. Uh, I'll give you the name, and then let me know if you think they'll be back, uh, not be back, a reason for one or the other. Let's start with Jerry Hughes. Yeah, I, I think you can lump Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison okay. yep. together. I, I don't see them. I mean, I mean, I could see them bringing Hughes back on a one-year deal. I don't think it's advisable. I think he's a player in decline. Addison was actually okay, but the Bills need to move on from both of those guys. They're 33 and 34 years old. (laughs) Unfortunately, they were the two best edge rushers they had this year, though, because the young guys really have not done anything so far. But I think you've got to move on. They've got to find a way to get more out of Epinesa, obviously Russo and Basham. And they may have to sign somebody in free agency on the edge to replace those two guys. All right, Vernon Butler. Yeah. (laughs) No way. Yeah, yeah. Emmanuel Sanders. 
Yeah, again, Sanders, you know, he was supposed to come in and be a difference maker. Everyone thought he'd be better than John Brown. I did. I ran the numbers. He really wasn't. <laughs> I mean, he was actually pretty comparable when you consider games played and catches. So, yeah, you move on from him. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not going to want to come back. He wants to go make his deal and, and try to become a starter again. Um, there was a nice, you know, one-year insurance policy for Josh Allen. Uh, but they're going to have to move on because he's. I, I'm pretty sure he wants to go compete for a starting job. Ike Bucker? Yeah, I mean, nice guy to have on the team. Um, he's probably not going to have much of a market because of the injury. So I guess they could probably bring him back on a one-year deal. And I don't think he would really argue too much about it. Might be the best he gets. So, you know, he, he started some games for the Bills. Pretty ordinary, but not a bad guy to have on the team. How about this one? This is an interesting <clears throat> one. A little bit of a conundrum because he did play well despite all of the challenges being the guy after Trey White goes down, but he's going to want more money. You know, the Bills, they're really up against it with this cap. What about Levi Wallace? Yeah, Levi's probably the most intriguing case they have. Um, and he's going to, he's going to get a, you know, one year, 1.7, whatever it was last year, was the all-time bargain because the guy has played a lot of football for the Bills. I was, I was shocked that he came back to Buffalo last year after, you know, given what his resume was. So he's going to get expensive now, and I don't think they're going to do that. I, I think they'd love to try to do it. I don't think they can get it done. So, you know, Dane Jackson's there. I'm not all that sold on Dane Jackson. I've been saying for two years, Mike, they've been very light at cornerback. I mean, Levi got them through, but they need to be a little bit better, especially if Trey White, you know, if maybe he's not going to be back in time for the start of the season. They've got an issue with cornerback, and they got to fix it probably both in the draft and free agency. How about Taiwan Jones? Um, look, nice special teams player. If you can get him back in a one- or two-year deal for real cheap, sure, I would do that. Okay. Uh, F.A. Obata? Um, again, I mean, kind of an average guy, three-and-a-half sacks. Uh, nice versatility because he could play inside a little bit too. It all depends on what he's looking for, but – you know, not not a guy that I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have back at a, at a reasonable price. So maybe Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, I would try to make that happen. Me I would too. I would cut Cole Beasley. I, I think I'm kind of done. Well, for many reasons with Beasley, but look, he's and, and the crazy thing is he actually had a career high in in targets. Plus, he tied his career high in catches. But it felt like all season he just wasn't getting a lot done. Mm-hmm. He ended up averaging three yards less per reception. So he's starting to slow down a bit. I would save the $6 million and I'd put it right into re-signing McKenzie. Me too. Matt Breida, probably out. Yeah, yeah. I would move on. I mean, that's just that, that position, the turnover position now. You bring a guy in for a year. They, they like Singletary. They still have Zach Moss on a really cheap contract. Sure. So, yeah, they can move on. Yeah, Breida. I mean, look at Elijah Mitchell for crying out loud. What was he, a six-rounder? He goes for 1,000 yards on the Kyle Shanahan uh, system. Uh, Bobby Hart out. That's an obvious one. Yeah, I mean, he's been useless. Okay, Jake Kumaro. Uh, Kumaro, again, you know, special teams guy, nice guy to have on the team, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, bend, you know, bend over backwards to bring him back. If they can get him back at a cheap deal, I, I know they like him, so yeah, get him back. Look, we saw the importance of special teams in the Packers game, mm-hmm. so the Bills still want to have special teams guys. I wouldn't run them all out of town. If he wants to come back, then I'd bring him back in a cheap deal. All right, a couple more here. Harrison Phillips. Yeah, I think they've got to find a way to, to get Harry re-signed. He played really well, uh, especially the second half of the year. 
He is one of the one of the favorites in the locker room. McDermott loves him. Um, I think they got to find a way to do that. So, you know, you get rid of Vernon Butler. Uh, I I would cut Latulale. I think mm-hmm. I think it's up for him too. They don't save a a huge amount, unfortunately. His cap pit is still a little bit tough to swallow, but I think I would do it. And I'd roll that money right into trying to get Harrison Phillips back. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the big three are, are probably, if you can do it uh, at a cost-effective number, just because of the importance that they play on the team. I think the big three are Levi Wallace, Harrison Phillips, and and Isaiah McKenzie. I, w- I would, I, I think Harrison Phillips had a great year. Um, Justin Zimmer. Yeah, Zimmer. I don't know that he'll have much of a market either because of his knee injury. Uh, he's he was a nice role player for them. But he's not a guy that you, you know, you're going to lose too much sleep over if he moves on. So yeah, I try to take him back if they can. But again, I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go paying more than market value for him. Saran Neal, uh, nice player. I don't know that he'll have much of a market either. He hasn't really done much on defense. He's been a special teams guy. So I think they could find a way to probably bring him back. Okay, and then we have two more. Ryan Bates. Yeah, I mean, Bates, <laughs> he might end up being your starting left guard. Right. I mean, he played well at the end of the year, so they might have found something, and I don't think he's going to be all that expensive. So I, w- I think I would try to bring him back, unless it gets to be stupid money, and then, then it's not worth it. But, yeah, I, I think I would try to bring him back. Tyrell Dotson? Uh, I could care less. I mean, again, special teams guy, he's he's one of those role players that they could probably bring back on a pretty cheap deal. So if it happens, fine. If not, there are plenty of linebackers out there that they could find to play special teams. couple more for you. Sal, Sal Marano with us, Rochester Democrat and Chronicle Buffalo Bills, Beatman and Insider on Twitter, at Sal Marano, one of the best follows out there. Um, back to the playoffs. The loss to Kansas City. Okay. The game before that, the Bills dominated a Bill Belichick defense. Josh Allen almost basically through a perfect game in, in, in that, in that contest. Does, does that game, because of what happened in Kansas city, does that game mean anything? Oh, I think it does. Okay. I, I said, I said before that game that they were not going to be rid of the Patriot mystique and the aura that they've had over the bills until they beat them in the playoffs. It was nice that they won three of the last four in the regular season. You know, that was all good. Um, but beating Belichick in the playoffs, ending their season, that to me was the official page turn for the Bills. Now they can put the misery behind them. Brady's retired. I, I think now you put all of it behind you because of that game. So I thought that was a huge step forward for the Bills. And as I said, next year now, there, there's no more Patriot Patriot aura and mystique. They're just another team. Okay. Brian Dable gone. Ken Dorsey in at OC. Joe Brady brought in his QB coach. Bobby Johnson gone from the O-line. And uh, Aaron uh, Cromer brought back in. He was with the Bills in 2015 and 16 as the team's offensive line coach. How about those moves? You know, the Bills, you know, going within the building to 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 get uh, the replacement for Dable. They bring in Joe Brady. He's got great football pedigree, and Cromer is a name that they know. It's basically like hiring from within because he was just there five seasons ago. Uh, is that all? Those seem pretty smart to me. Yeah, the, the Dorsey move, that was that was critical, I thought. I mean, you didn't want to upset um, you know, what they had in place with Josh Allen. He's been there three years. He's been, you know, Dable got all the credit, but believe me, Dorsey has had a lot to do with how Josh Allen has made this meteoric rise. So I think that was really critical to get him locked back in there. 
Joe Brady's very interesting. I mean, you know, we all saw the LSU season, maybe the maybe the best college team ever. So that's all interesting. He flopped as a coordinator, but he had no quarterback yeah. in Carolina. So I'll be very interested to see in what he can do, in, you know, in, in Josh Allen's ear along with Dorsey. So I love those two moves. And then Cromer, you know, nobody really knows Cromer. There's nobody on the team left from when Cromer was here. But I did see on Twitter, I saw Eric Wood standing and applauding the move because he played for him, yep. and he really liked him. So, yeah, and, and Cromer does have – it's good. that He's got about 20 years of NFL experience. So that should be a good thing for the Bills' offensive line. And believe me, I think they needed a change. I think Bobby Johnson, he's more of a physical, let's beat the, beat the guy up in front of you type. And this Bills line just wasn't – that, that wasn't their makeup. They they aren't, you know, Feliciano is that kind of player, but they don't have guys like that. So I think a change at that position might actually be a good thing for this offensive line. No, that's a great point. I, I'm with you on that. F- final thing I want to hit with you, Sal, is is the upcoming draft. Um, two-parter here to end. A, where do you think the Bills will go uh, in the draft first round and beyond, and B, do you think that they should, because of what happened against the Chiefs and what they have in that window we talk about until we're blue in the face to win a championship, do you think they should take the Rams approach one time and just be like, you know what, screw it. We're going out and getting everybody. We're going to cut four or five guys on our side. We're going to free up 25 to $30 million in cap. We're going to go draft maybe one or two guys, but we're going to bundle all of our picks and we're going to go get uh, we're going to either move up or we're going to go get, you know, somebody else somewhere. Uh, go get that definitive X factor, big time pass rusher that, that that they need. Because let's face it, Basham and and Russo and Epinesa, they're nice rotating pieces. Obata was that way. Oliver's kind of that way. Maybe he'll be dominant next year. I don't know. But none of them are a Von Miller. None of them are an Aaron Donald. None of them are Floyd. None of them are 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 a lot of different guys out there. What what direction do the Bills go in the draft? And should they take an approach where let's just go all eggs in the basket for for one time and just see if we can go win this thing? No, so I, I would not do that, and and several reasons for it. First of all, it's not Bean style, so he's not going to do that. But look, the, the Josh Allen contract really kicks in yeah. in twenty twenty three. It's going to be a crippling. It's going to have a crippling effect on the roster. So these next two drafts, the Bills have to be flawless. They've got to hit on every pick because they're going to need guys on cheap salaries, and I'm talking about second to you know, second to six rounds say mm-hmm. those guys have got to be hits for the bills because they're going to need that cap space. They can't be bringing in guys who are making $25 million a year when that Josh Allen contract really takes hold. So no, I, I would not do it that way. They've got a nice roster in place. It needs some tweaking. And, you know, I just wrote about it today for tomorrow edge rusher. It's one of my main priorities. I got a five part series going this week. That's the one I'm working on today. And I just wrote this that they've got to find they've got to find a dominant pass rusher somehow some way whether it's the draft with their first pick or maybe they hit on a middle tier guy that's about to ascend now, they can't play in the deep waters with you know Von Miller and Chandler Jones and Calais Campbell all these guys they just can't afford to do it if they could hit in the middle tier and mm-hmm. find somebody who's more productive than a Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison or, like I said, pick the guy in the first round. That's what I do. Back to your first question, though. The board will take him, as he always says, where it's going to take him. But where it should take him, Mike, regardless of what the board says, they need a quarterback. Yep. They need to pick. He's picked defensive linemen regularly. 
the last four years. He's, I think he's picked five guys in the first three rounds of the last four drafts. They need to pick a cornerback. They've got to solidify that position, especially if they don't have Levi Wallace. So that's where it should be. Uh, people were saying they need to pick a wide receiver. No, they need to fix cornerback because they do not have any depth at that position. They've been incredibly lucky for two years until the Trey White injury. There has been no problem with injuries in the secondary. Well, they finally got one this year and they didn't have a whole lot of depth. They were lucky it didn't get down to Cam Lewis, right? Because Dane Jackson yeah. did stay healthy. So that's what they have to do. Well, and I'll tell you, it's it, <laughs> on that note, hey, go get the players, go fill the holes. But hey, don't give those guys that much cushion. I guess it doesn't matter if you have Deion Sanders back there covering, if you're going to give Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, you know, seven to 10 yards cushion, you know? Well, the thing is, I saw a lot of people saying that, oh, that was fine in the game that they missed Trey White. Well, of course they missed sure. Trey White in the game. But on those last two plays, Trey White wasn't going to make a damn bit of difference. Right. Right. He wasn't going to make yep. any difference because it was the call that killed him, not the players who were on the field. No doubt about it. Well, this was amazing, as I knew it would be. Democrat and Chronicle, Buffalo Bills reporter and insider Sal Marana on Twitter, at Sal Marana. And Sal, I can't wait to, uh, to, to hop in and read some of those uh, articles that you talked about. Be on the lookout for those folks. Uh, Five-part uh, series uh, for the Bills' main off-season priorities. You can get Sal on Twitter, at Sal Marana, and uh, read those as they come out. Thanks, Sal. All right, Mike. Take care. Thanks for having me.